Welcome to Sacrifice to Success Podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of The Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. All right. Welcome, everybody. Today, we have with us Katie Kramer with the Betcher Foundation. Welcome, Katie. Great to be here, David. Awesome. So start off by telling us um, a little bit about yourself and the foundation. Sure. Um, So Katie Kramer, I guess I would first start off by saying I'm a Colorado kid. Uh, Grew up here and uh, come from a bunch of uh, farmers and miners um, in in the background. And um, I would say I got deep roots here in the state. And um, I've been for the last, it'll be my 25th anniversary here at the Betcher Foundation in about two weeks. I have had this incredible career in a philanthropic organization here in the state that invests deeply in Colorado people. And I was fortunate enough to be one of the people that they've invested in, not mm-hmm. just because they gave me a job, which was awesome, but also because I won a scholarship from the Betcher Foundation when I was 18 years old. Um, and we have actually, this is our 70th anniversary this year of the Betcher Scholarship Program. And wow. we give uh, 50 scholarships to Colorado's, Colorado's best and brightest to pursue their education here in state. And so I was lucky enough to win one of those and which then started my affiliation with the Betcher Foundation and went to college and then um, have worked here in a number of different jobs until this most recent gig for the last five years where I had the opportunity to be the president and CEO of the foundation. That's so cool. That's like the, the you know, the story that you imagine could be possible, like starting at being the one of the product and then working your way all the way up to the top. That's right. Full circle, baby. Yep. I made the coffee and popped the popcorn and bought the staples when I first started um, in a fellowship role. And then um, now here work with a wonderful board and an amazing team to um, professionally give away money, right? Um, Invest Mm -hmm. in the people of, of Colorado. Yeah. And so I imagine that that gives you such a different perspective than somebody who just like came in maybe from another role as a CEO and, and came into to this position. Whereas you like, you know, all the little parts and pieces all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's right. And just a deep appreciation for the impact that our organization has because I was a recipient. Um, and so maybe it's helpful to talk a little bit about more of what we do. Does that sound good for the foundation? Yeah, yeah. that was going to be my next question. Yes, sure. perfect. I could read your mind there. Um, so mission, uh, at the Betcher Foundation, we believe in the promise of Colorado and the potential of Coloradan, Coloradans. And so every day what we do is build up and connect those doers and difference makers from across the state that are working to elevate people, programs, and organizations. And we know that we do that when we invest in Colorado leaders, it allows them to have transformational impact on their communities. And so this is a great story, actually, the where the funding came from of um, entrepreneurs serial entrepreneurs that came to Colorado, Charles Betcher. um, And he 
was uh, started out with a hardware store in the late 1800s. And uh, like a lot of folks that came to the West, immigrated from different a different country, um, Germany in this case, and so started in the hardware business and benefited from the silver boom that which was happening in our state um, mm. during that time, specifically in Leadville, which some people may have heard of. Uh, but so then comes this sense, this serial entrepreneur of um, doing all sorts of things from investing in the first electrical company for the state to um, then bridging into uh, cattle and sugar beets and real estate and investment banking then, um, and the first cement factory west of the Mississippi, and all of these different businesses that really helped to build the state of Colorado. So um, when they started the foundation in 1937, he took care of his family and then gave the money back to the state through establishing this foundation in hopes to sort of pay it forward for Mm -hmm. all everything that they had in gratitude for uh, everything that he had benefited from um, through those businesses um, with his family. So the intention really is, and what I love working, working here is this idea of uh, the chance to pay it forward for the benefit of of others. And so a lot of our work over the years has been helping to build infrastructure for the state, like whether that's, you know, hospitals or art centers or health clinics or any of those types of things, libraries, um, investing in education and higher education. Uh, but also we invest in those leaders, like I talked about a little bit ago, and and these incredible students that are, are looking forward to getting an education. So this is a huge year for us, David, actually, I mentioned a couple things, but it's the 70th anniversary of our scholarship program. It's the 85th anniversary of the organization. Mm. And then on the personal side, it's, you know, my 25th anniversary here. So it's, it's a big year for us. And uh, that investment is deep. We have assets of well, the stock market's been a little bit up and down, as you know, lately, uh, yeah, mostly yeah. down, uh, but, <laughs> you know, in the mid 300 million range, I would say, um, but we eclipsed at at the start of this year, um, having given away through that 85 years, uh, over $400 million investing in Colorado. So we're very proud of, of that milestone. And um, really the transformational impact we hope to have here in the state. Wow. Yeah, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. So taking it back, what, so what was your uh, scholarship for when you came in? What were you up to when they thought, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to help you out. Sure. Well, so with our scholarship program, um, as I mentioned, it's uh, we're looking for students that are that those doers and difference makers in their communities. So the selection criteria for our scholarship is really around scholastic ability, certainly that these are students that have done well academically, but more importantly, that they're really intellectually curious, they're learners, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other pieces of that is, um, include evidence of leadership and involvement in their, all, any type of school organization or, or club or, or a sport or anything, and service, especially to community and school. And I think what we're really looking for is that these students have what we call a service ethic, like they feel that need to pay it forward, just like the Betchers did. 
mm -hmm. benefit whatever community they're a part of. So we like to see that there's that, that community service piece or that investment in their community and then outstanding character. So those are the criteria that okay. we, we look for in our scholars. Um, awesome. And then you met that and they were like, here you go. <laughs> right. Excellent. Right. Right. That's very cool. Okay. So, I mean, what were you, when you, when you did this and you first got the scholarship and you went into this, was this like something uh, you knew about and kind of like going into this company was what you had envisioned or what, what had you thought of like in high school and college, like where you wanted to go with your life? Yeah, it's a good question. So I would say my my background shared a little bit that uh, you know I'm a Colorado kid and super involved in in high school and all sorts of things, student body president, you know all all the free sport athlete did all of the things right like a lot of people do, mm -hmm. and um, when I went into college at at CU Boulder, which is where I went to school, uh, my grand passion in life always has been um, leadership, and I'm a total nerd because I was, I was the nerdy kid in, you know, 15, 16 years old. And I'm reading like Stephen Covey and things about leadership. And I got that bit by that bug, I think early, right. At fourth, fourth yeah. grade starting student council. And I just, I, I just love the opportunity to, to work alongside other people that are committed to making a difference. And so uh, my undergraduate education was, was about that. I ended up with a business degree and, um, a minor in leadership studies and coming to the Betcher foundation. I thought I would take this fellowship just to try to advance that, that mission. And it was supposed to be just a one year opportunity. And what ended up happening is that they hired me full time about five months in to be the first director of the scholarship program. We'd had that scholarship program for a long time, but doing more programmatic things and then really helping to develop the leadership of the students while they were in school was really what I was passionate and excited about. And um, I would say about, like you had mentioned, what was my expectation in coming into the role or, or such? I just remember I was 22 years old and I was interviewing for the job and the then president who interviewed me said, why do you want this role? And I said, there are three reasons. Uh, one is that I want to be in a place where I feel like I can make a difference. So this idea of serving mm -hmm. Two, I want to be in a place where I um, am, al am always learning. And three, I would love to work for an organization that invests in education and leadership. So ding, 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 all those all those qualifications were hit when I was 22. And now yeah. that I'm in my forties, yes, it's the same. It's honestly the same three reasons why I'm here, David. I, I'm really a, maybe an unusual duck in the fact that, that nobody works in the same organization that long anymore. Like I certainly yeah. didn't start this job thinking that I was going to do that, but it just ended up, I had the right learning opportunities at the right time where it's always something different. I'm um, in a, position in a place where it completely value aligns with who I am as a human to, you know, support other leaders on their journey and making a difference for their communities. I mean, it, I just can't even imagine a better opportunity to sort of that values alignment with 
with, I think, what I can contribute and what I'm good at. Um, and so it's no surprise that, that I've ended up, I guess, being here for this time because all of those qualifications have been, have still been met. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's kind of the dream in my opinion, the dream mm -hmm. is like find a place where you can authentically be you totally and be fulfilled and give back. And, but did you, were you at the beginning though, I'm curious if you, if you knew that was going to happen, you felt that really early on, or if this, that kind of grew into the thing as you, as you moved along. Yeah, it did. No, definitely. When I, I think first bright eyed um, year, I was just here to, to learn. And frankly, I'll tell you this, the scholarship for me was completely life-changing, not just for me, but for my family. I mean, it's the gift like this, um, an investment and in belief in someone's potential, not just like the at a girl go forth, the confidence builder and that, but like financially, like literally life-changing, um, mm -hmm. to have someone invest in you. So I think at the beginning, it was just like, just, starry eyed and being in a place that I just felt so indebted to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that that relationship has changed over the years where I found a niche when my first big job here running the scholarship program, I could work with other young people too, you know, and that, that, and I was in my twenties at that time too. So, it, you know, these are kind of my peers, 18 to 22 year olds and the excitement of helping them to achieve their dreams, not just through the investment of the scholarship, but, you know, internships, helping find them internships or grant opportunities or study abroad or investing in leadership programs that help them launch into their um, careers. So it was really value aligned in helping with that population. And then as the role evolved, the scope got bigger, right? So mm -hmm. I ran our grants area, our grants department. I, I, and I was able to get the VP job here when I was 26. So it was a huge investment for, um, I think, and a risk to take them on a whippersnapper at that time. Um, mm -hmm. But then I was vice president of the whole foundation and certainly grew into that role over many years um, where basically I've done almost every job here in that time, except for accounting, right? Like I've done pieces of investments, office management, IT, HR, all of those things when I took that role. So done, done programmatic and operational things. Um, and now in this role, working with an awesome board and, and investing in sort of that big picture strategy for the whole state um, of, we think about the leadership ecosystem for the state of Colorado. And um, it, so I feel like I've grown up in the role and and in the foundation, certainly, but also in the opportunity to, you know, sort of widen that aperture to trying to make a difference statewide, um, along with a lot of wonderful partners from around the, the state. You know, we work with, we fund in every single county in Colorado. Um, we work with the with state government. We work with other foundations and and philanthropies and nonprofit organizations and community organizations. So the partnerships are just really energizing. Where you know people are trying to solve really hard problems that mm -hmm. are um, intractable, and you know trying to be in a place where we can connect dots or invest in people that are trying to make a difference. It, it's just a, it's like the dream job, dream job, really, David, I can't um, say enough good things about it. I love it. That's so cool. Okay. So obviously 
like as in your words, you were a bit of an odd duck, which I love. <laughs> I love odd ducks. Um, as a kid, like so fascinated in leadership right off the bat. Um, and then, so so what did you think, like what was appealing about leadership kind of as a kid to you? Yeah. And then now, like what does leadership mean to you now? Oh, that's a really good question. You know, I, um, I think the first that that getting bit by the leadership bug was comes from just how I grew up. My parents um, are really helped us to learn to serve. And, and I think part of that comes from um, our involvement with our faith community at the time or other pieces, but we just did community service a lot. And so mm-hmm. I just feel, I just, they fostered this sense. And as a mom now with two awesome boys, just foster the sense of being grateful for the blessings that we have. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so this idea of serving, and that's kind of how I think about leadership is that servant leadership piece. Mm -hmm. And then there's other things too. I think I had a little bit of a natural talent for connecting with my peers, you know, being able to listen and, represent them in fourth grade, maybe for whatever were the issues of the day in fourth grade. Um, I think that was my first time that I served on student council and perhaps a little bit of a gift of gab as far as being able to (laughs) string together a speech that was compelling to make them want to elect me. Uh, So, so, you know, I, I think what it started out as sort of this service piece of, of wanting to, to help and support and make things better in the world I don't know, honestly, that that's changed a whole lot Okay. because I, I still do that in my personal life too, where, whether it's things that we're involved in as a family, um, organizations that we volunteer our time for, um, other communities that I'm involved in, or, and then I just get to show up every day in my professional context and we're still doing the same thing. It's just a different scale. Like the, the scale is, you know, statewide. Um, right. So Huge. So I, I don't know that that's changed. I still, it still energizes me and excites me and, and completely admit that it's totally selfish. I mean, you, yes, yes. So you hope you're doing good in the world, but certainly there's some great intrinsic reward there and feeling like what you did made a difference today versus how many widgets that you could um, produce to improve the bottom line. You know, sure. so, yeah. and there's, we need widgets. I'm not saying knocking widgets, um, but I'm just saying for, for me as a leader, um, it having the type of role that is a chance for me to sort of live my values has just been an incredible opportunity. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So one more leadership question. Sure. I'm sure. So when you were VP, Mm-hmm. I'm sure you had uh, a president or, and maybe this, you could use a different example if you want, but who is somebody that you thought like exhibited amazing leadership mm-hmm. and, and kind of like describe what that was? Sure. Well, I, I, I mean, you kind of teed me up this way, but I would, I'd actually would give you the example of the person that I was lucky enough to follow in this role. Um, guy by the name of Tim Schultz, who's one of my bestest pals and most wonderful mentors. And there's a couple things that he did, David, uh, that were 
encouraging to me as a young professional and just as a person. And, you know, in case it's helpful for your listeners to kind of think about how the impact they can have on, on people that are, are following. You know, I, I think one of the things that he really did is there was a sense of like empowerment and trust at a super young age, right? Where mm. uh, we were at the time kind of reinventing this better scholarship program that we had. And it wasn't where he feel, felt like he had all the answers and needed to tell me what to do. There was always this constant question of, well, what do you think we should do? Right. And so like, he trusted me to have an opinion or actually do the critical thinking of why would you, you know, what's the proposal? Like, what's the idea? Um, do the research. So, so in that way, there was that inspiration and he was a great guide, like just enough information, just enough support at the right time, but let me run. And mm. my goodness, I mean, the guy promoted me to that VP role when I was 26 years old, cause he saw that I had something, you know, there was that belief in me, but part of that I think was possible because he completely, uh, trusted me as a young professional that I had something to contribute. Mm -hmm. And so I, I thought that was pretty awesome. I think the other thing that made him a really good leader is, and maybe just a proven leader in multiple contexts is he had this, has this great story of having, he's been a bake, a baker, a banker, a cowboy. Um, it's kind of a Colorado story. He's done all these different things. And so he has, he has lived experience that was all three sectors, right? So he, you know, was in the private sector. He was commissioner of agriculture um, and worked for two Colorado governors. So this love and appreciation of the state of Colorado and this grounding in rural um, Colorado, which was really important, having lived and worked in a rural context. And then comes, you know, serves in the public sector, works in the nonprofit sector, and then has this other career at the Betcher Foundation. So I think one of the things that he impressed upon me in those 20 plus years that I worked for him were um, just how leadership shows up in different contexts, right? Mm -hmm. And And it's largely all the same. Right. It's about connection. It's about relationship. Uh, it's about uh, influence and impact the, the way that it's about how you treat people. And and one of the things that just made him magic and I hope makes me magic someday in this role is that ability to connect those dots and build the next generation. Because this is not Katie Kramer's money. This is the Better Foundation's money. We um are investing in leaders that we're all in this together. Um, and I just get to be at the helm to sort of steward that and hopefully inspire my staff and inspire other people that we're investing in to do whatever their version is of how they're going to pay it forward or be leaders. So cool. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I always tell people, and I'm a little biased, but I'm like a part of great leadership is coaching because what is great coaching is asking totally. good questions and that's just what you said like asking good questions and then allowing the trust for them to, to take it you're right and th that's another thing that makes me think it's it's not always about having the right answers right but it's asking the right questions so i completely completely agree with that cool Cool. Okay. So tell us um, a little bit more because I'm curious. I don't know a lot and I'm sure a lot of my listeners don't know, but like about philanthropy as a sector. Sure. Well, um, philanthropy is, I, I would say it's a, it's a subset sector of the nonprofit sector, right? Or I like, I actually prefer that we call it the 
for impact sector, Ooh. the nonprofit sector, right? Yeah. Because that's, so, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because the reality is I, it's sort of every time you say nonprofit, I just get all cringy because nonprofits are businesses, but the mandate is just a little bit different, right? It, it's yeah. um, where the profit isn't necessarily the motive, the impact is. And so uh, I love, I never anticipated a career necessarily in this sector. It kind of just worked out that way, as you've heard, but um so within the four impact sector, you have public charities, which are the classic 501c3 nonprofit type of things. And then within, within that, um, that, that sector, then you have philanthropy, which there's, you know, private foundations and, and a bunch of different ways uh, that, that uh, folks give away money through, through different structures. And so the, it's just an interesting space to to live in. Um, in some cases, it's a little bit of la-la land because um, we joke around sometimes that it, we live in, we exist in a war of the good, right? Because it's all good, right? And so yeah. one of the things that's hard, honestly, for us here, and people are going to be like, oh, wah, I feel so sorry for you, but <laughs> we professionally say no, honestly, David, right? Because there's so much need out there and there's tons of proposals. We can't, it's a competitive process. We can't fund everything. Right. And that's hard. Like, how do you, how do you make that decision? Cause you know, it's going to be, no matter what you do, it's going to be for good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think what we really try to look for is those opportunities where our funding can have transformational impact in communities. And it's a constellation of reasons about why that happens. A lot of the time it's because it's good leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, that is play is was where we place our bets because we have confidence in, in the leaders that are leading whatever that cause or that organization is that they're really going to be able to to take things to the next level. So um, so it's a total privilege to work in this space. And I mean, like I said, we we give funding away to help try to make the world a better spot. So we're on the giving side of the. Um, for impact sector, other people are on the asking side. Mm-hmm. And so, but, uh, and I think one of the things that I struggle with is that sometimes that there's that power dynamic about the people that need the funding versus the people that give the funding. And, and I think what we try to do culturally and organizationally, when we're working with the organ, with any organization where we're funding is the recognition that we, um, that it's just a privilege to be able to invest in their great work. It, it is, mm-hmm. you know, and so the, the chance to, to do that um, as a foundation, it really, um, they're the ones that are doing the hard work. So we're grateful for that. So I think that that's just a little bit about it. And, cool. and I, the other piece I would just add is I just hope that, you know, whoever's listening and, and this is my soapbox moment is just that there's people in your life that have influenced you, you know, teachers or, mentors or whatever. And uh, I think a lot of what this is about and what I'm about and our organization about is that pay it forward. So I don't care how people do that, but the encouragement is to do that, to pay that forward through, um, in, in our case, like our founders through their money that, you know, that you've probably heard time, talent, treasure. So some people pay it forward with their treasure, but, you know, volunteering Mm -hmm. your time and, or sharing whatever your expertise is or talent with other organizations or people mentoring, um, the next generation and however that shows up. Um, I just hope that people, feel that compulsion to 
make the world a better place um, in whatever context they exhibit, where they exist, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'd love to hear one of your favorite stories of mm-hmm. contribution and like the impact that that had. Wow, that's a good question. Putting you on the spot thinking, here. thinking, <laughs> thinking. Switch thing to choose. Yeah, so many years of so many stories. Yeah, sure. Well, I guess I'll talk about um, one. Uh, there's one project that I'm going to get to see next week that I'm really excited about. Okay. Uh, and, and so I'll just tell you a little bit about that one. For, I think one of the projects that I've been most proud of during my time here at the Betra Foundation is this initiative that we've had over multi-years called uh, Space to Create. And um this is like the perfect definition of when you get leaders together from all different all different sectors and everybody's trying to do something for good. So the, the project that I'm going to visit next week, I'm going to be in a place called Ridgeway, Colorado, um, which is near Telluride for some of you who may have heard of that um, area. And it's a rural community and um, there's a lot of creatives there. So these are people that are makers of all different kinds from, you know, distilleries or ironwork or all artists or whatever. And um, certainly there's agriculture in that whole region too, but there's this project that we have, we've collaborated with the state of Colorado um, and Colorado Creative Industries, other funders um, that are both local and national to take a downtown in a rural Colorado in rural space and have a project that uh, provides affordable housing for Mm -hmm people that live in that area that sort of the ground floor would be artist space. It could be gallery space. It's um, a a place for that drives economic development. And then maybe the next uh, state, the the next level is affordable housing. So it's like, it it like rings all these different bells of you're trying to address a affordable housing issue. You're supporting the local economy and it's an economic development play. It's it's a community building play. Um, yeah. And so with our funding, we provided funds for that in the planning stage. We provided funds in sort of the building phase uh, and it's leveraged millions of dollars. So like our small, you know, $100,000 grant, couple $100,000 grant leverages millions of dollars from all these other sources that are, um, there's housing money, there's state money in. And so that's a type of transformational impact. I think when I love this quote by our founders, Claude Betcher said, a well-placed dollar is worth more than a nickel in every cup. Mm. And so this idea of where do you place the well-placed dollar in incredible leaders that there's a lot of momentum that leverages all this other thing. Cause we could, we don't have enough money to have done that project on our own. Nobody mm-hmm. does, but it was like the way that people came together, they, that they collaborated to really do something that's going to be incredible in that community. So that's, that's probably one of my favorite, favorite projects. Awesome. Yeah. Great example. <clears throat> cool. Okay. So uh, let's just shift gears just a little bit. And, um, 
I'd love to hear, because I know you do a lot of cool things, but one of the questions that I ask all my guests is what makes you feel fully alive? And so I know some of that already, just from what you've talked about today, but feel free to expand on that personal life, any, any direction you want to go with that. Sure. Well, uh, the, the theme of this too, just being a Colorado kid. I mean, you put me anywhere in the mountains and I'm going to be happy and um, feeling alive. And um, I do, we do a lot of things outdoors. And and so, and I am a fisherwoman and a hunter too. Or I do some archery hunting. And so one of my favorite times, like where I feel alive is just being in the forest in the fall and, mm-hmm. you know, the um, just in nature. And um, especially when we're archery, archery hunting, but it's not, and it, to me, it's not about the, the, the get, if we get something, it's just about the, you know, the stillness, the, um, listening to the birds and the animals and, um, the beauty of whatever that weather is that day, whether it's, you know, drizzle or a bluebird, Colorado morning. Um, but you know, in a busy, I have a wonderful, full, busy life. Um, I've got this other job that I have, which is the mom job that I love. Um, <laughs> oh, that little thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm so proud to be a career-loving mom, too. And I'm so proud of my boys. It's something that we do together as a family, too. So it's like, um, it's that it's something that just fulfills me to be with my family in the forest. And um, it totally makes me feel alive and actually just gets a little bit of the noise out of my life too, as I'm listening to the, um, sirens in the background outside my window on the 22nd floor in this building in downtown Denver right now. But it's just that chance to, um, take a step back and sort of connect with feel grounded. So I would say that that would be my answer for that. Ah, I love it. Yeah. I'm on the same page. I've all, I've been so interested. I I've never done it, but I've always been really interested in, in archery for like the same, you know, multiple reasons, actually. It's Mm -hmm. like out there, you don't know if it's going to go or not. And like so much of just like getting back to the essence of being a human. Yeah, totally. Just kind of go like try to get some food. (laughs) Right. No, it connects us to the fact that yes, our food does not come from the grocery store. It's those wonderful farmers and ranchers that do that work and, and, you know, wildlife and such. And so it is, it's sort of like that, uh, you know, visceral guttural connection to who we are as humans so yeah absolutely cool all right well man thank you so much katie for for sharing your story today and um tell people where they can find out more information um can is it something where just anybody can give to like tell us about it sure um certainly there's you can invest in our mission at the betcher foundation um it, the funding mostly has come from the Betcher family, but there's other people that have given it. They believe in our mission and want us to give that, you know, pay that forward. So, um, but our website is uh, www.betcherfoundation.org. Um, and Betcher is spelled B as in boy, O E. T-T-C-H-E-R Foundation. So we do fund just in, within the state of Colorado. So we're place-based in that regard. Um, cool. But uh, yeah, it's a great, great organization to um, to work for and, and it's a great state to live in. Awesome. Okay. And then a final question, <clears throat> just, I would love for you to share one nugget of wisdom mm. that you would love to impart to the audience. 
Hmm. Yeah, you have to edit out this long pause. David. Uh, uh, I do. I do this to people sometimes at the I end because I know right? you have the good stuff in there. Uh huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> One nugget. Put a little bit more on it. Do, yeah. do you have something? I think so. Okay. Um, I would say that one of the keys to my uh, personal happiness, honestly, and um, the success that I've been able to have in my professional career was that back to that story I told earlier about the connection to the values, like what's your why, yeah. right? little Simon Sinek stuff about, um, the, the why, like what, what is important to you as a human. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can identify what those values are that guide you, then it's a really helpful filter to make any decision a, but, um, be just thinking about finding a professional calling. That's what I would say is my role, my job here. I've definitely found like sort of my calling in this. Um, and that doesn't have to be in the four impact sector. I mean, it's just whatever is important to you in your life. And I just think that that really leads to uh, personal fulfillment and happiness in all the contexts. If you feel clear about what makes you happy and what's really important to you. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. Okay. Thank you so much, Katie. I really appreciate your time today. Sure. Great to meet you. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. So to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. The thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. And they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more go to my website, davidweavercoach.com, or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes. And I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time.